I just want to welcome every church that has joined us from around the world and around the nation who is a part of our series, But God. I just believe that every message and uh, all the experiences that we have throughout this series uh, has touched lives, has made a difference. And I thank God for Pastor Herbert's heart to give this message out of his own life, out of his own experience. And I believe it's been blessing you. So I'm honored today to come alongside of those messages, to come alongside of this thought, But God changes everything. So I want to bring an installment. So today I want to talk for a few minutes about we see impossible. We see impossible, but God makes all things possible. We see the impossible. God Almighty in His mercy and His grace, He makes all things possible. We've got a springboard scripture today that is found in Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. It's a phrase that is a part of a bigger story. But I love the phrase that we'll use because it'll get us in that direction. With God, all things are possible. One of the things I love about our Savior is he was a Savior that was always okay with answering questions. Uh, I don't know in school if you were ever in a classroom setting or maybe on a college campus and, and you just felt like it wasn't really the teacher's thing to ask questions or to maybe even interrupt, or, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, it just wasn't. You felt like you would be disciplined or ignored or, or you would made to be feel, feel small because you would ask a question. Well, Jesus was never like that. So often our Savior was having a conversation and someone else would enter the conversation or he was headed in one direction and someone else would enter the picture and, and begin to talk about something else. And what I love about our Savior is he enjoyed a conversation. He enjoyed giving truth. And we'll look at a few scenarios where he gives us truth along this idea of God as a God of, that can take the impossible and make it possible. And we find this phrase in the story that many call the encounter that Jesus has with the rich young ruler. This is a man who obviously heard about Christ and he was very wealthy and very blessed and had a lot of stuff and had a lot of people around him. And he was just kind of a, a guy with an entourage and with a lot of stuff going on in his life. And he hears about Christ. He comes to Christ. Jesus is here and now he's here and they're in this conversation. And he begins to tell the Lord, I just want to be with you. I want to be one of your disciples. I want to, I want to follow you. I, I want to be in this thing. I, I want to be a part of this. And Jesus begins to to just dialogue with his heart. He knows where he's at. And he begins to talk to him about stuff and the things and the distractions. And in that process, Jesus just lets him know that, hey, there's nothing wrong with having stuff. There's nothing wrong with having possessions, but there, there is something wrong when the possessions have you. Come on, somebody. He said, there's a big deal. So we're talking about something different. So the rich young ruler with that saying gets disheartened and goes away. Now the disciples, they're watching all this. And they're looking at the rich young ruler, and they can tell, man, he's, he's dressed out. Man, he's got it going on. Brother rolled up in a, like, a, like a Bentley chariot. He's got some bling up on his sandals. I mean, they got it going on, fanning, feeding grapes. Here they are carrying like a pack, starving to death, eating like a locust. I mean, that's all we got. He's got like a, like a, you know, like a food truck with him. I don't know what's up with that. So. And he walks away. And the disciples are like, oh gosh, there goes our sponsorship. I thought we were going to get sponsored. And they, they looked at Jesus and said, can anybody make it? Can anybody live for you? Can, can anybody get over the hurdles and the obstacles and the challenges of their life? Can anyone 
find a miracle? Can anyone get close to you and pursue you and walk with you? Is it, is it even possible for us to walk in your will and find your purpose and be close to you? And Jesus says these words. This is where this phrase comes from. When you, when you look at the But God book and you see this part of the chapter, this is where that phrase comes from. Jesus looks back at them with an amazing truth and he looks at them. It says he, he doesn't shy away or he doesn't kind of look in the air and just kind of blurt something out. The Bible says in verse 26 of Matthew 19, he looks right at them and he says these words. And he said, with man, this is impossible. With man, this is impossible. But, but, but with God, all things are possible. With man, yeah, it's not going to happen. Not a lot of hope. Too many excuses, too many distractions. But with God, all things are possible. I've thought a lot about this lately. I've studied this series and read the book and looked in the scripture with the idea of but God, the message of, of but God. And over and over again, as I, I see these scriptures and along with your pastor's heart, it's, it's incredibly the, the message that is communicated to us when we see impossible, but God makes all things possible. And for me, it boils down to who and where and what we have decided to be with. See, Jesus says there is an impossible. There, there is an impossible thing that can happen. There are impossibilities, but there are also possibilities. But the decision is, are you going to be with man or are you going to be with God? The difference is not God or man. The difference is, who are you going to be with? Because it is a choice that you and I get to make daily, weekly, as we face our life. It's in the with that there's a difference maker. It's, it's in the with that there's a turning point. It's with man or with God. Who are we with when we think about our family? Are we looking at our family through man's eyes? How do we handle our, our, our kids, our grown kids that are struggling, our, our children that are wondering, our, our, our children that may be facing something at school or in the classroom or in their physical body? We can handle it with man or with God. It is the choice. What about our marriage? Are we seeing it with just man's understanding? Or are we seeing it with God's discernment and God's insight? What about our money and our finances? Do we just handle it with man? Is it just with me? I've got this. I don't need God involved with my resources. I don't need God involved with my job or with my, my finances. Are we going to do it with man or are we going to do it with God? Because with man, things are impossible. With God, all things are possible. It's in the with that makes the difference. Who are we walking with? Who are we talking with? Who are we believing with? Who are we siding with? With man or with God? It's a challenge. It's a decision we make with every pain. It's a decision we make every day. It's a decision we make with every storm. Are we going to face the storm with man? My understanding, my ability. Are we going to face it with God? His compassion, his Involvement with the success that we have. Oh, this is my success. I did all this. Are we going to do it and realize that God Almighty has blessed my life with every challenge, with every temptation? Are we going to face our temptations all by myself? I will try to fix it. I will try to do better, do better, do better. With man, things are impossible. With God, all things are possible. What about the loss that we have in our life? 
even about the good things, the blessings in our life. Who are we with? It's the difference maker. I see it all over Scripture. I think in Scripture, there are tucked in so many little corners of Scripture, these moments, these encounters that Jesus has with people that are saying, yes, it's impossible. Yes, these are impossible situations. But with God, it can change. Matter of fact, it can change everything. I love the stories, the, the intense moments. I love the instructive moments. But there's one of the most incredible little stories tucked away in Luke chapter 7 that gives us one of the most truths and applicable ways to understand that as we face impossibilities, God can turn them to possibilities, the impossibilities to the possibilities as we look at how our Savior in Luke chapter 7 takes someone who was with man and brings them with God. And it's a, it's a change. I want you to look there with me. I'll read it slow to you. Luke chapter uh, 7 verse 11. Uh, we'll read together. I'm going to read it slow to you. It's, it's good. Sometimes, how many knows when you get a good meal, you got to eat it slow. Slow down. Let that thing digest. Ain't going nowhere. My wife can cook, as you can tell. Sometimes she'll cook and lay that etouffee up on there, a little, little, little jambalaya, a little crawfish. Ha! Ha! I'm going like, so, yeah, to take my time eating this, girl. Hold up. Ain't nobody going nowhere. Every, every morsel. So we're going to read Luke. We're going to slow it down. I'm going to read it slow. Why? Because there are some morsels and some details and some things that I believe the Spirit of God is going to speak to our hearts. I believe there's somebody here that's facing an impossible situation. Somebody here is probably in a situation where it feels so tied up with man, but God's going to untie you today, and there's going to be a connection with God, and things are going to change. I believe we're going to find it in the truth of this scripture. Luke chapter 7, verse 11. Soon afterward, watch this. Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples were with him, and a large crowd went along with him. Watch. As he approached the town's gate, look at this. A dead person being carried out. A dead person. There's a funeral procession that is coming out of the city while Jesus and his disciples and a large crowd. We don't know if that's 50 to 100, 150. Most scholars believe that there could have been around 100 to 150 people that were with Christ that afternoon as they ventured about 20 miles south of Jerusalem into this little out-of-the-way hamlet called Name. And, and as they go into the city, they meet this funeral procession, and it gives details, 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 details. The only son of his mother. And here's something important for us to know. She was a widow. Only son, she's a widow. It says, when the Lord saw her, I love this. When the Lord saw her, the Lord, when the Lord, when Jesus the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the, the, the one who flung the scar, stars, the one who shaped the mountains, the one who crafted the oceans, the fullness of the Godhead. When our Lord saw her, the Bible says, his heart, the heart of God went out to her. Don't you think if you're going through something, if you're facing something today at a church, or if you're facing something today here in your life, don't you think that when you go through it, that God's heart is drawing away from you? I'm here to tell you that God's heart is going out to you in your loss and in your pain and your situation. 
This is Jesus. And it says his heart goes out to her and he says these words, two words, don't cry. My, my, how interesting to say at a funeral procession. Don't cry. The story goes on and says then he went up and he touched the coffin. Those carrying it stood still. He said to the coffin, to this young man, this only son in the coffin, young man, I say to you, get up. The Bible says the dead man set up, began to talk. Jesus gave him back to his mother, or as we say in the South, Jesus gave that boy back to his mama. They all filled with awe. I love the, Look at the result. They were all filled with awe. Praise God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. This is one of the greatest things you need to know about God right now with your impossibilities. With man, with God. Remember this phrase. God has come to help his people. God has come to help you. God is not here to hurt you. God is not here to find you out. God knows everything about you. And he knows everything about you, yet he still loves you. He knows everything about you, yet he has appeared. He is here today, Emmanuel, God with us, to help his people in their pain, in their struggle, in their loss. The news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. Can I have a good amen for God's word? I love that scripture, church. I love it. I love it. I remember my first uh, funeral. I was 23 years old. I was a baby preacher. I just got, came out of Bible school. I was still finishing up. My wife and I had just gotten married. She was young. and We, we were youth pastors. We were just barely youth pastors. Just, we were just starting to do youth. And, you know, and, and, and we have a, a, a families in our youth and I'll never forget, we got a call at about four in the morning from our pastors, some of the leaders that said, there's a tragedy that's taken place, and they mentioned the family's name, and it was a family of three daughters, three teenage daughters, a, a mom, of course, and then this dad who was an evangelist in his maybe mid-40s to late 40s, and during the night, he had had a sudden heart attack, passed away. They said, we've got to get to the home, you need to get to the house. And we went to this house, and we showed up about 5 in the morning. There was not a light on that house. And there was this mom and these three daughters sitting in a dark house, wailing, and the grief, and the, and the shock, and the, the horror, the, the worst night of their life. The, the unexpected had visited their life, and they sat and cried. And I'd never been in a setting like that. I just got in ministry. I was, not, I, was, I was not ready for that. And thank God there were senior leaders there who knew how to love, and knew how to pray, and, and knew how to believe God. And I just stood in the court of my wife. No, we just praise God, Jesus. Jesus. Went to the funeral Several days later, there was a memorial service there in, in Baton Rouge. And I just stood there just serving in the background, just helping and guiding and directing and not saying anything, helping the pastor and, and the leadership. I'm 23. I'm, I'm a green preacher. I don't know what's going on. And right when we get the body into the hearse, it's going up to Manny, Louisiana, about four, year, four hours away. And as they, the hearse gets ready to pull off, the pastor walks up to me and says, I cannot go to Manny, Louisiana. You will go with the body and the family, and you will preach the funeral in Manny. God bless you, son. Take care of business. Okay, I've only done a lock-in, okay? I'm, I've done lock-ins, balloons, and, and we've done races. I could do a relay race with some shaving cream and, 
and I've done bananas, but uh, I ain't done a baby dedication. I'm not, they've not even let me do a wedding yet. I barely preached. And he says, you get in that Cadillac, and you drive the man away, and you preach that funeral. I remember sitting in the front seat of that car. Oh, Lord, gee. Oh, I mean, th- oh, four hours up. We pull up to a little country church on a dirt road. See, it's about 50 feet. We get out. The place is packed. It's a hot August late afternoon about 5 o'clock. It is blazing hot. And there I am in that suit. Let me tell you something. I've never been a little man in a suit. I've always been a big man in a suit. Put a big man in a suit somewhere hot. You got problems. I'm sitting up there in that suit in the front of that funeral home. There's people. I don't know any. I know no one. There's that casket. It's open. There's that mom, those three daughters, and there I am. And, 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 and the, 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 I meet a 90-year-old funeral home director. He'd been 90 a long time. I'm helping the brother out calling him 90. Come on, somebody. And he looks, he, I walk in, and he stands up and says, okay, the preacher's going to come now and preach this sermon. Come on, preacher. I'm over there like, Preacher. I'm looking for the preacher. There must be a guest preacher. Thank God. He says, come on, son. I go up there. I, don't, I have no idea what I preach. It was like the water and the wine and Moses and Noah and yeah, hip, hip, hooray. <laughs> Clueless. The pain. The tears. That mom and those three daughters sat there and cried the whole time. About 10 minutes, I get done. I stand by the casket where I knew you were supposed to stand. Everyone files out. Those daughters come up and collapse. The mother walks up and climbs up in the open casket and faints, wailing. I'm standing there. Praise God. Amen. Amen. That 90-year-old funeral director walks across that funeral home. He opens up out of his pocket an ammonia stick. I don't know if you know anything about ammonia stick. He pops that stick, jams that ammonia stick up in the nostril of that, that mama up in that casket. Boy, she comes out that casket. She's on the floor. He's jamming that thing up in those daughters' nose. He says, listen, listen to me. Your daddy is with Jesus. He ain't here. He's with Jesus. He says, boy, get in that Cadillac. I don't know how they act in Baton Rouge, but we don't act this way in Manny, Louisiana. We go into the graveyard. Let's go. We got done with that gravesite. He handed me an ammonia stick. He said, just in case of an emergency. Jesus shows up at a funeral in a very interesting way. I love this story because I believe there are There's a truth in this story, and I want to bring it now down to some application for our lives. I want to look at this story and how it speaks to us when the impossible meets the possible. I believe right here in this encounter, it is a picture. It is a breakdown. It is a a free grace picture that God gives us about when you and I are facing impossible situations and how we make a decision. Are we going to be with man or we're going to be with God Almighty. Here's the first thing we learn in this story because I love the first thought is the reality. Because there's realities. Don't you wish we could be set free and we didn't have to deal with the realities? Sometimes of life, decisions, of other people's decisions. But there's realities that Jesus 
walks up on. There's the reality of that small valley in Jezreel. Not only is it a small valley of a little town, but there is a deep valley in a widow's heart. She's not had death visit her home once. She's had death visit her house twice. It's twice death has reached her. First, it was her husband, and that's tragic. But then not only was it her son, interesting fact, it was her only son. And the uncertainty of that culture during those days when you would lose a husband and then you would lose your only son, the uncertainty of who is going to take care of me now. There's a reality that she would probably be all alone, have to fend for herself. There would be no one that would come to her aid. There would be no one that would be there that would comfort her beyond the mourning of those several days and the grieving of those friends and and the people that had gathered that day. But really, in those moments, she would have some stark realities, the stark truth of I am alone. She probably has some but God's. I'm sure she had a few, but God, there is no one to help me. But God, there is no one that will take care of me. But God, there is no one to hold me. There is no one to share life with. There is no one here in this house. But God, my house and my heart is now empty and broken. That's her stark reality. And now this morning I will leave this house and I will close this door and I will enter a parade of pain and I will come back here tonight. But God, I will be alone, abandoned. It doesn't make sense. I'm going to bury my boy. And I remember when I walked out that gate and I buried my husband. I would have never thought this would happen. I I, I never saw this coming, God. But God, the second part of the story is out of the pain we see a Savior. There's the reality, and all of us have realities, and some of us are facing some deep, dark realities today. Somebody's watching today, and you're, you're facing a stark, hard reality. But into our realities, a Savior One crowd is leaving, another crowd is arriving. One crowd is following a coffin, another is following Christ, but God. There's one that's following life, there's one that's following death. And in this moment, life and death meets at that gate of that city, right there in that moment. And I'm sure the crowd with Jesus pulls aside in respect and honor because of the music that they hear, the crying that they see, the woman that is leading that procession. They pull aside, but all of a sudden, but God, in that pain, in that hurt, but God, but God, Jesus sees her sees her that's all we need right that moment is he sees her that means he recognizes her he looks at her and I don't know where that group was headed and I don't know Jesus where Jesus was taking everybody that day but I can tell you what he was taking them there for that moment he had an encounter Jesus never went just strolling our Lord never got him and said where are we going today I ain't got no idea what y'all want to do it wasn't no group think. It wasn't group think. It was God think. He said, come on, we're headed to Nain. Why are we going to Nain? You'll see. 
There's nothing in name. You'll see. But why are we going there? But God. I love how there's this, this moment and Jesus sees her and he, he knows the trail of tears. He knows the pain. You don't have to tell our Lord nothing. I've been through things in my life I can't even describe the pain. I've, I've walked through things in my life I don't have words to describe the disappointment. Come on, somebody, help me. I don't have words to even to, to give definition to what has gone on and what, what has happened. and th- You can't even say it. You, you don't even know what to do. And in and, and that moment, Jesus doesn't have to hear an explanation. He doesn't have to hear a request. He sees her. And I love what happens. Everything stops. And then... There's access to the impossibility. There's, he, he, he asserts himself. It's as if Jesus is the great intruder of the impossible. Jesus walks up. Two words. Don't cry. Could you imagine going to a funeral? Come on, work with me for a second. You had a funeral and there's, there's an open casket up front and the family's going by and we're being respectful, the pain, the loss. And as you go by and you visit the deceased, you look over that family on the front row, don't cry. Quit your crying. Stop your crying. How many of you be arrested? Come on, somebody call the police. Arrest that man. How insensitive, how, how awkward, how, how ugh. He says... He looks at the mama. says, don't cry. I have heard your cry. I have seen your pain. You do not need to tell me. I scan it. I look at it. I behold it. Two words to the mother. And he reaches up and touches the coffin. And says a few words to death. Impossibility. He speaks to the impossible. He speaks beyond the veil of time. He speaks beyond the the veil of of science and and human and and limitations and lacks. He speaks into the veil of what's on the other side of the grave. And he says, young man, young man. I don't know if there are 10,000 young men that turn around on the other side of the veil of eternity. He says, young man, I say to you, get up. It's almost as if Jesus, through his compassion and through his love and through his power, come on church, he reaches through time and limitation and he grabs that boy and says, it's not your time. You're not leaving your mother. It's not impossible. I will bring you back. And the Bible says that that boy pops up out that coffin. Bam! What's up? And starts talking. Talking. I don't know about you. I'd have to have a praise break. Ah! I'd go crazy. I wonder what he said first. I'm going to tell you what I think he said. Hey, mama. I'm back. It's a wonderful story. The Bible says that Jesus gives a son back to the mother. He gives her hope back. He gives her faith back. He gives her 
the future back. Because that's what our Savior does. Because He, the end of the day, is a but God Savior. Oh, there's the reality. Amen. Amen. There's the reality. There's the Savior. There's the access. And then there's the but God. But oh, Pastor Herbert, you, know, you don't understand. I, I'm, not, I'm not good like that woman. I, I have problems. I have issues. I, I've doubted. I've had unbelief. I've, I've wavered. I, I, that, that'll never happen to me. I don't know what to say. I wouldn't know what to do. I, I'm not a good worshiper. Sometimes I don't attend church. And it's just sometimes in my life I'm not faithful. And there's times I've made bad decisions and I've, I've chose this and I've done this. And there's no way the Lord would ever do something for me like he did for that mother. I, I think I'm stuck in my impossible. I think I'm stuck with man and, and with human things. I, I'll never see my possible take place. I, I'll never have that miracle because I'm not good enough and I don't know what to do and I don't know what to say and I don't know how to perform and I am not perfect can I give you a little nugget about that miracle neither was that mama I don't see anywhere in the story where the mama even recognizes our Lord I don't see anywhere in the story where she stops and says oh Jesus we've been waiting on you all day long the I don't see faith demonstrated I don't see anything I don't see anything coming out of the, the knowledge or, or, or the experience or, or with man. What I see is a miracle and compassion and grace and mercy coming out of the deep well of God Almighty. See, it's either with man or it's with God. It's with man or it's with God. But if you're with God, everything he's got in the well can come up in the bucket. Can I get a good amen? It can happen for you. It can happen for you. I love how Pastor Herbert says it this way. You got to stop believing, but God, I can't. And start knowing, but God, I can. Because God changes everything.